0: feel like you're fighting a losing battle right like especially in parenting right it can just feel like a grind hey dad can i have some more video game time hey can i download this app all my friends are playing it can i get on social media watch youtube watch tv hey dad hey dad can i can i can i and eventually i'm just like No, no, no. Okay, fine, right? I get worn down because so often I just feel like I'm fighting with them and uh, I wind up losing more often than I care to admit. Maybe that's not your parenting story, you're probably better at this than I am, but I just know that parenting can feel like a grind. Whether that's changing diapers or sleepless nights, babies crying not knowing how to provide, or as our kids grow older, it just feels like we're constantly fighting a battle against them, and it can get tiresome at times. If you're a parent, I know this isn't news to you. The problem is that when we have that grind, eventually we get tired out and our aim drifts from the target that we're aiming at and we begin to just start firing at anything, whether we're hitting the mark or not. We're in week four of our series, Arrows. We've been talking about this idea from Psalm 127 that uh, children are like arrows in the quiver of a mighty warrior. We've been talking about living towards the target, living towards eternity, and every week we've been walking through our ARROWS acronym to give each one a different phrase or letter. So week one we talked about aim. We said that our aim as parents is eternity, to get our kids across that threshold, beginning with the end in mind is critical. Then the last two weeks, we've been talking about rhythm and about release and how we pace out this life that's ahead of us and that eventually we're going to let loose our kids to fly their own journey and towards the target. That leaves us at letter O today. O for us today, we're going to talk about some opposition, opposition, right? That There are opponents in this parenting journey right? That parenting is in fact a battle, right? It's not just easy all the time, it's not just sunshine and roses, but there's a very real battle that goes on as we try to parent well. Sometimes that's with our kids, sometimes it's with our spouse or other people, but it can feel like this battle, like this grind, and so we're going to talk about that. We Started with this three weeks ago when we said, look, you know, you can't just be an encourager or a friend to your kids, but there's going to be some consternation, some moving forward, and there's going to be some opposition as we do those things. So if parenting is like a battle, then it's important that we know, that we define, that we put limits and parameters around who is our Enemy, right? If parenting is a battle, then who is our opponent? Who's the thing that's resisting us? So we're going to take 15 seconds, couch time, right? All right, kids, you huddle up. Parents, you huddle up. And I just want you to take five seconds to answer the question, right? So who is the enemy, right? And your parenting, and your family, and your house, just get together, talk about it real quick. Five seconds left. Okay, kids, I want to hear from you first. Who do you think is the enemy? Don't say your parents, right? Now you're in timeout. Sorry about that, buddy, but uh, you knew that was coming. I know it's sometimes it, it can feel like that, though. Hopefully that wasn't your answer, but maybe you had a particularly tough morning this morning. Sometimes it can feel like our parents get on our case, right? Like they don't want to give us the things that we want or that we're looking for. Sometimes it feels like our parents might be the opponents. So kids, real quick, huddle in here. Parents, I want you to plug your ears. Kids, right? your parents aren't your enemies, right? Like 100%. They love you, right? They care for you. They want what's best for you 100% of the time. So even though sometimes it feels like maybe they don't have your best interest or they're not listening to you or you don't understand why they won't let you download that app or get on that social media or hang out with those friends, you've got to know, hey, parents aren't your enemies, Okay, parents, you can unplug your ears, right? You've sat quietly. Let me hear your answer about who you think the enemy is, right? All right, I think I hear some good answers there. Let's get rid of the bad ones, right? Kids are not the enemy, right? I know that sometimes it can feel that way, especially in the battle and the grind, but your kids aren't your enemy. As a matter of fact, let's take three seconds right now. Kids, look at your parents. Parents, look at your kids. And I want you both to say to each other, hey, you're not the enemy. Right, right now. Yep. You're not my enemy, right? That's important. It's important language to keep in mind because if we're fighting with each other, then we're missing out on the real enemy. More on that here in a bit. Parents, who else might be the enemy? Your spouse, right? At times it can feel like you and your spouse are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Sometimes it feels like in your marriage, in your parenting, in your household that your spouse is the enemy, right? Newsflash, they aren't. Right? I know that we have different personalities. I know that Dad said last night at 9pm the word ice cream, and that meant that all the kids missed their bedtime because of a sugar high, and now everybody's crabby today because of it. Not the enemy. Right? Dads, I know that moms sometimes have all the rules and it feels like maybe they're taking out all the fun, but that doesn't make them the enemy on this journey. So parents, as you're able, speak to each other, so let's say the same thing. hey. You're not the enemy, right? You're on my team. We're on a team doing this together. You are not the enemy, right? Too often as we live our lives, especially in our parenting journey, we're firing and taking friendly fire. We're after people who are near us. And instead of having the opportunity to engage people on our side, we're constantly fighting with those people who are supposed to be our allies. If parenting is a battle enough, it's important that we don't add enemies to that list. We want to make sure that we're fighting the right opponent, the right enemy, which means kids and parents are not enemies with each other, and it means, parents, you're not enemies with each other either. So, If they're not the enemy, then let's talk about who is. I'm sure I heard some of you say this, but we have a real enemy, a real spiritual enemy, and the Bible tells us about that. So let's look at Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 together. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's not against kids or parents. It's not against people at work, right? It's not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. the, The enemy, the opponent, the real opposition to our parenting isn't anything flesh and blood. It's not even anything in the physical realm. It's the darkness of the spiritual places that invades the hearts and the minds, sometimes of people and of systems and structures around us, right? Darkness represents those places in the world where the light hasn't yet reached. By the way, whose job is it to shine light in those dark places, right? It's mine and it's yours. So not only in dark places but also against the spiritual forces of evil, right? So like children are arrows in the hands of a warrior they're effective and powerful when they're aimed and correctly released which takes practice and a cadence and a rhythm to do correctly and while it's easy to get distracted by lesser targets fights with parents or spouses or kids the real enemy the enemies of eternity are the darkened places in this world dark hearts and dark minds not yet illuminated by Jesus, and, of course, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's define these a little bit more. Just before these verses in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives us quite a list in Ephesians chapter 5 about what some of these dark places might be. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 starts this way. says, therefore, you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building each other's up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice." So, what do you hear in those verses? We hear anger and falsehood, stealing, unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, brawling, slander malice right there is an infinite number of other things that we could add to those lists right broadly speaking anything that is in opposition to the kingdom of god to the person of jesus represents a potential enemy that we need to be wary of right any system structure place person or thing that is not fully devoted to jesus christ has the potential to be utilized by our enemy in the battle against us for our souls and this is really critically important. It's not because those things are evil, but because there's a battle going on for God's kingdom and anything that isn't yet God's kingdom that we let into our lives and into our homes and into our kids' lives has the potential to knock us off our target, which again is eternity. All right? Because that second part of Ephesians chapter 6:12 says that there are evil spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. There's a very real opponent, a very real adversary, one who is set up against the rule and reign of God and against the kingdom of Jesus. And anything that isn't submitted to Jesus' rule and reign has the opportunity to be utilized by that opponent. Here's how 1 Peter 5.8 says it. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Scripture doesn't treat this devil, this accuser, like a cartoon character. He's not in a red suit, right, standing in fire with a big red pitchfork just cackling. It says he's a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. He's on the offensive. He's on the attack. You don't want to be alone with a hungry lion, especially if you're the prey that he's hunting. This is the opponent that we have in the spiritual realm. And he's fighting a battle against our souls, against the kingdom of God. And yes, that even includes our children. Listen to Jesus' own words about this in John chapter 8. Speaking of this adversary, this devil, he says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Have you ever been around a liar? Like, just had somebody in your life that... Maybe they weren't intentionally lying, but they just told little white lies, right? Especially in middle school, I feel like this happened all the time. Probably because I was the one telling the little white lies, right? Fibbing about relationships and friendships and who you know. But when you have people who are constantly telling half-truths, then you end up missing out on the full truth. You start doubting them. We have one particular member of our household who, uh, from time to time, is not entirely truthful with us we ask them to do certain little things, then we find out later that they did not do it. And when we confront them on them, they have some creative answer, oh, I forgot, I didn't mean, I didn't know you meant picking up my room, I thought you just meant putting things away. Oh, you wanted me to fold my laundry too, I just thought I could put it in the washing machine. And it's these tiny little white lies that eventually mean that we start trusting him less. We have to follow up on his work. Hey, if I come up to your room right now, am I going to be happy? Oh, no, no, no. Wait just a little bit, right? A liar is somebody who's not to be trusted. Scripture says that this adversary that we have will lie about anything and everything. That's his natural tendency. It's his natural capability. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue 100% of the time. So parenting is a battle, right? Not just metaphorically, but in reality. We have a very real battle plan with a very real adversary who's very really after the hearts and lives and minds of our families, us as individuals, and yes, even our children. So if we have a real battle with real enemies, we better have a real support system around us. We better have a real opportunity to fight this battle that we are called to be a part of. If we're going to win this battle against this opponent, it's important that we engage the right support that we bring alongside the right support within us to win the battle that is drawn up for us. And the first reality here is that if we are in a spiritual fight, then we need spiritual weapons. We need spiritual weapons to win in a spiritual fight. If our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces, then it's first and most important to realize that the enemy isn't people, right? God loves people. He wants 100% of them to spend eternity with him. But there is a spiritual enemy that we have spiritual weapons against. Continuing on after Ephesians six twelve, these verses are familiar, I'm sure, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and following. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil. One, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You hear this rich metaphor, right? This wasn't just a play on words, but this is the author saying, look, you're in a spiritual battle and there are spiritual weapons, things that you need equipped and ready to go, just like you do if you were going into a real battle the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, all of these are real opportunities that we have to win the battles that's in front of us. But too often we're facing the wrong enemy or if we're facing the right enemy we're trying to face a spiritual opponent with the physical weapons that we use in the world. We're using our own power, our own intellect to outwit or overpower and we use our strength instead of standing firm in the strength and perspective that the Lord gives us. right, what does this actually look like? right this looks like fighting over a cell phone right over which apps get used and how much time gets spent instead of engaging our children in a spiritual battle sometimes we overpower them with because i say so or because i'm the parent right When we don't take time to agree with our spouse, to pray about our family's direction, and to let the Lord speak to us, we just say, this is what I think is right, this is what you think is right. Instead of fighting a spiritual battle, we just fight actually in reality, instead of being unified in the places where the Lord is calling us. Right? When we separate our lives into the person we are at church versus at home or at work, and we stop operating like all of these spheres are places of spiritual conflict, then we're missing out on the battle that's being drawn. You may come to church armored up ready for a spiritual battle, but not in your car on your commute, not when you're at home at the dinner table, not when you're around the conference room, not on the road, right? These are places where physical battle happens, but spiritual battles as Well, you're being divided and conquered because we're failing to realize that the spiritual battle exists all around us and in every sphere. So if you want to win a spiritual battle, then you have to be using spiritual weapons for a spiritual fight. Those things take practice to use, just like real battle armor and weapons take practice to use. What other support do we have in this battle? We have the body of Christ, We have a built-in support system in the church designed to fight alongside us, right? There are people who are a few steps ahead of you in life. You can reach out to them to ask parenting advice to say, hey, can you help me? Hey, how did you navigate these years? I know that the world's crazy right now that things are shut down, but go out to lunch, go out to coffee with a family who's just a couple steps in front of you. Make an opportunity where you see someone living the type of life that you want to live and say, hey, I just want to learn something from you. I just want to hear how you navigated these waters. There's always someone who's one step ahead that you might be able to learn from. Right? Similarly, if you're at a stage in Journey, there are people behind you that you can also help out. right? We have four newborn babies this month alone. As we get started, if you hear babies crying in the lobby, you should come alongside them and say, do you need help, right? Maybe not offering to hold the baby, COVID, all that fun stuff, but helping with diapers, helping with sleep, helping with meals. You guys have been incredible with that. Coming alongside the people who are one step behind you similarly we have opportunity to engage people in those places as well to offer our wisdom and our help to aid them wherever they're at in their journey right so if kids are running around in the worship center you can say hey not right now let your parents As school resumes, we have all kinds of conversations to be spiritually encouraging to our children and to their friends as school resumes, right? Speaking of which, as we look to reopen, we're not launching kids right away, but we're going to need volunteers to help. And this is critically important because we're not asking for people to babysit kids while church is going on, but we're asking for you to join in the spiritual battle for the souls of the children of the church, if you've ever had kids, you are more than qualified to be a voice in a kid's classroom. If you've never had kids, but you've been a teenager before, you have something to offer teenagers. If you've never had kids, never been around kids, but you were in fact a kid at one point, you have something to to offer because you don't need all the answers you just need to be a support system and structure for all of the raising and rearing of children that is going on in our church family you've heard this before right it takes a village to raise a child none of us can do this alone it's why we do church even in a covid season because we need each other because we're in a real battle with real eternal consequences and we need help for that journey So we need to engage the right support in this battle. That's spiritual weapons for a spiritual fight. Of course, it's the church body, the family of God. But the the sobering reality is this. No matter how good of a job we do, engaging the right support, having the right weapons, you could be the best, most perfect parent ever. And your child is still going to have the same opportunities as everyone else. There's still a final enemy to be conquered. There's still something about life that no matter what we can't control, you aren't in ultimate control of your child's destiny. Right? You have, may have practiced, you may be ready to go, you may have threaded the, the arrow, you may have practiced hour after hour, you may have thousands of hours of test flights, but when it comes right down to it, when our kids are flying free, they are out of our control. And eventually they will find themselves hitting those targets, having those opportunities where they engage the hard realities of life on their own. Solomon, who wrote these very words, also has something to say about this finality as well. In Proverbs chapter 9, he says it this way. He says, This too I carefully explored. Even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope there is nothing ahead but death anyway right super dark solomon right but solomon reminds us of this morbid truth that i think we all realize is true that really there are no guarantees in this life you could dedicate your entire life to the way of jesus and tragedy can still come The accident can still happen. You can still get the diagnosis. There's no guarantees except this, Solomon says, that eventually death comes for us all. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, this is the way that life works. In the end, for you, for me, for our friends, our family, for our children yes even those beautiful brand new baby infants your pride and joy no amount of protection or money or trust fund or whatever experiences that you cultivate will be able to save them from the ultimate end that we all face which is terrifying and sobering and a reality check but there's really only one way that this story ends for all of us and no matter how great of a parent you are death is the ultimate end but the goodness of the gospel and of scripture is that there is hope if we continue that verse in hebrews right just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment so christ was sacrificed once to take all the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him Paul would say it this way in the book of Romans, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Death is the end for every person who's ever lived except for one man who died and came back to life and he proclaimed, he told us that he could show us the way to live so that while our bodies might pass away, our souls could be with him for eternity. And if that's true, that changes everything about the way that we live here and now. It changes everything about the way that we parent and the way that we work in this world. Unfortunately, death is coming 100%. And I don't want to incite fear or make you nervous. That's just the reality. And there is one solution available. And I just wonder what it would look like if we lived like that were the actual reality that we were all facing day in and day out. Would you still have the same goals? Would you still have the same job? Would you work the same hours? Would you invest more in things that last forever than things that just make life more comfortable and easy? Would you do more to bring people into these types of conversations, not to scare them into eternity, but because if you believe that's true, then wouldn't you want to share that with friends and neighbors? Wouldn't you do anything to make sure that your kids knew that when it was said and done, there's only one way to escape the finality of death there's only one exit to our existence on this planet and that one exit is that there's one who has defeated death and if at the end of your days here you haven't entrusted that reality if you haven't infused that truth into the souls of your children then on that day will anything else even matter Look, Jesus says as much when he's continuing to speak about the enemy. He says, don't live your life in fear of people and of an enemy who can only destroy your body. He says, that's nothing. That doesn't even matter. You were made of dust. You'll be dust again. And if God created you from dust once, he can surely do it again. Rather, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but who cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Paul would phrase it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last battle that we face, the battle to end all battles, the battle at the end of our days, the battle that all souls and all eternity will have is against that final enemy, Of death. And you have one life, you have one shot to make it count, and there's only one hope for your soul and for your children's soul, and that's Jesus. And everything, 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 everything that is not aiding in your pursuit of Jesus is a distraction, it's something that's pulling you off target. And I'm not saying to go live in a monastery and just sing worship songs 24 saying. I'm saying that we must orient our lives around eternity. We must correctly identify not only the goal, but the detractors. And if we're aiming at the bullseye, I don't want to be content just hitting the target. If the bullseye is eternity and Jesus and life with him forever, and TV is just a distraction and an escape instead of being on mission, then it is a waste. Family movie night is not the same thing as binging the latest show. Enjoying a movie with a spouse or a friend is not the same thing as spending hours engulfed in a television. Work is necessary and good, but it is not your life. Nor does it hold the keys to a successful life. Recreation is essential, but it is not life itself. Last week we talked about rhythm and I asked the question, right, what would be different about this week for you so that next week you show up more rested? I hope that you're continuing that journey, that self-reflection, and I want to give you the next step to that, right? Recognizing the thoughts and patterns and habits that you have, which ones are getting in the way of the pace and rhythm that Jesus has set out for you. And if you have things that you're engaged in that are in opposition to Jesus' will and plan for your entire life, then it is an opponent. Anything that's against the will of Jesus in your life is a problem. Whether it's a good thing like TV or sports or relaxation or a spiritual stronghold like pride or anger or bitterness, the list goes on and on. I don't know what it is for you, but if there's something that's keeping you from living the life that Jesus is gifting you through his death and resurrection, then it is not life for you, but it is, in fact, death. And death is the final opponent. It's the battle that we are engaged in trying to win. So what is opposing your life? What's distracting you from the bullseye? In your life, in your family, in your faith, what's pulling you away? What opponents do you need to slay so that in the end you can enter confidently into eternity? Because you know that you've conquered the final enemy. You've trained for it and you're bringing an army of friends and family with you. A quote that I've displayed in my office says it this way If it costs your peace, it's too expensive. This week, I wonder what's costing you your peace. What's costing you your eternal peace? What's costing you in the scope of eternity? What might be too much to pay? And what might you begin to change now or think differently about so that you can prepare and win that ultimate battle, not only for your soul, but for the soul of your children. I'm with you in this. Despite being separated, we're all in this together. So let's motivate and encourage each other to keep fighting the battles that are worth dying for and recognizing that we aren't alone as we fight for and live towards the target of eternity in Jesus' name. This week, may you find the things that are bringing death instead of life, the things that are opposing you instead of ushering you into God's presence, and may you fight them using spiritual weapons to win a spiritual battle. Be blessed this week.